Close enough. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see everybody here. I have not lost height. So, <laughs> you sit down for everything. But it's good to be here. It's good to see everybody here. I feel like I'm Charles Stanley or something. So, without the special music. But uh, if you would look at Romans chapter number 12, keep it placed there. But if you would also go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, I want to do two things this morning. I want to first, uh, I mean, I'll get to my, my lesson or my sermon, but I've what I've been praying about and studying for the past eight weeks, trying to get it just right for my first one back. Um, <laughs> hope that works. Um, I was able to preach one other time from the hospital bed on a Wednesday night. I don't know if you guys got to see that. I don't know if you were here for that or not. But um, that that was uh, pretty cool. The nurses kept coming in the bell. I'm like, go away, go away. Leave me alone, nurses. <laughs> but... Uh, some of you don't know what was what happened. Um, I kind of update everything for one one shot. Um, the last Sunday of October, I came to church and I wasn't feeling the greatest. And uh, my wife had this, had sinus bronchitis, sinus infection, bronchitis. The girls had it, and I just assumed I had it. I went to a walk-in clinic, and the walk-in clinic said he got viral bronchitis. Here's some medicine. You're good to go. All right, great. I canceled that Wednesday night service because. They said, wait 24 hours to be around people, then you won't be contagious. So I took my medicine, went down to, they asked, I asked if I was safe to go to Florida because we were going to go for family reunion. And they said, yeah, you're fine to go. I got down there on Friday night, couldn't breathe, had a hard time breathing. Saturday, I went to a walk-in clinic. And um, the guy says, I will not see you without a COVID test and without a chest x-ray. I don't, I, didn't, I don't believe I had COVID, but I did have double pneumonia. Um, I went to the, the you know, yes, I went to the ER, and as soon as I walked in, I was like, I pretty much collapsed um, into a wheelchair. I couldn't get out. I was having a lot of difficulty. They, I tested negative right then and there for, for COVID. Um, it took three days to test a positive, but I, was, I tested negative immediately. And then I had double pneumonia. Um, my heart rate went, was going sky high. And at rest, my heart rate was going 140. Um, my, and I, I didn't know it. I guess I have I had a AFib and I didn't know it. So that was kind of cool. I just never knew I had AFib. I got a heart condition now. Besides being spiritually wicked, but um, um, respirations went down to like seventy five, eighty. I kind of I kind of get my respirations up. Um, the nurses told me two two nurses in the ICU told me that I that I was that they thought for sure I was going to tank. Like they thought for sure I was circling the drain. Like I was gone. Um, and then after I got off the rest, after I got, I never went on respirator ventilator or they put my BiPAP. When I got past that, my gallbladder was seps, became sepsis and it put tox, you know, toxin all through my body. And they said that my number, my white count was so high that they felt for sure I was going to tank again because of the, you know, the bile, the gall, the whatever, the gall, gall all in my body, whatever. They said I thought I was going to tank again. So uh, they shipped me to another hospital, Orlando. I had I was there for a week doing all kinds of tests. They took my gallbladder out, and then I went back to the other hospital. And right like two days before, the day before I before I was discharged, my liver enzymes went sky high. My liver enzymes were supposed to be around forty. My liver enzymes went to like three hundred, and uh, that's like that's like liver failure, critical care, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, so. Talked to the doctors, they figured they thought it might be 
either just a fluke, a passing thing, or it could be one of the medicines. They took me off the one medicine that causes high, high liver enzymes. They put me on another one, but I don't know for sure how my liver is. But some of the same symptoms that happened then, they're happening again. So I'm fighting those off and watching my doctor. I got to call Monday and get, you know, get blood work and everything. But I'm not out of the woods. Well, I'm out of the woods. I'm just still, you know, in the thicket. So, you're out of the sand. Um, huh? You're out of the sand. I'm out of somewhere. I don't know. I'm, I'm in a rough. But, um, so I'm, I definitely need the prayers. My family could definitely use the prayers. But I can tell you this. It is good to see you. Teresa, it's good to see you. God hey, bless. Hi. Good to see you. Serena, hi. Hey. Hi, Serena. And Ashton, good to see you. And then, oh, hang on a second. Not Tyler. Don't tell me. Hang on a second. You just told me it to you. Jalen. All right, so it's good to see him back. And, and Aaron's mom, you've got a name besides Aaron, mom, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> but it's good to see you, too. And then, uh, this Gavit Eka, nice to meet, nice to meet you oh, today. It was good to see you for the first time. But while we're in Romans chapter 12, I want to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 real quickly. I want to kind of point out a, a, um, a theme, if I could say, for the year. Oh, boy. All right, theme for the year, basically, in... We all go through things, and look, if you've been in a Christian home more than a year of your life, raise your hand. All right? You've been in a Christian home more than a year. If you've been in a Christian home 10 years of your life, if you've been in a Christian home your whole life, you were born a Christian. <laughs> Just waiting for theology to go wrong. <laughs> we're already talking about replacing this with ESV and NIV, so I'm like, I'm not sure. But um, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, the Bible says this in verse number um, verse number 26. I'll go back in verse number 24. It says this, And I know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth a prize. So run that ye, might, that ye may obtain. So it's running with purpose, right? So run you may obtain, if you want to underline that. And every man that is striving for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Amen. Verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertain, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. And that's the thing we, we have to, we, you know, that's the thing that I want to point out is, um, you know, I therefore so run, so run that you might obtain. Doing things with a purpose. You've been in a Christian home most of your, you know, a lot of you most of your life. Some of you got saved later on in life, but you've been in a Christian home. Even if five years you've been in a Christian, you've been a, even as a believer, as a Christian for five years. There is a there is a nurse in the hospital. I get back to my sermon. I promise. In fact, I'm going to my text right now. <laughs> but um, this guy was probably six two. Was probably 215, 200, no, he was about 230 pounds. He was a big, tall guy, and he was built bigger than Aaron. This guy was like muscular, and he couldn't help me roll over in the hospital bed. He couldn't pull anything of his weight. That's the average Christian, and I'm afraid that's going to happen to each and every one of us in the time that comes. The Bible tells us in First Thessalonians. That, you know, to comfort the feeble-minded, you know. There's going to be people in the tribulation that are going to falter, they're going to fail. And I'm afraid that's what's going to happen to the seasoned Christian, even to some of us. Right. That we're so trained. We're training. We've got all the Bible knowledge. We've got all the expertise. We can identify as false prophet. We can pull out false doctrine. 
But when it comes down to actually putting to all what we know to practice, we're failures. Amen. Amen. And everything that we do needs to be for a purpose. Every song that we sing, for a purpose. Amen. Every time we come to church, it's for a purpose. Every Amen. time we pick up the Bible to read our Bible, for a purpose. I know technology is at our fingertips, but pick up your Bibles. Yeah. Everything that we do, do it for a purpose. Every time we go soul winning, do it for a purpose. If I've been reminded of anything in the past 64, 65 70 days is that time is short. Amen. Right. And the things that we have, it doesn't matter. For 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 three weeks before I went in the hospital, Aaron and Sarah got me these these elastic stretch bands. And I was sitting there and I was at the house and I was just going to town, stretching, just I don't know what I was doing, but I was just trying, man. I was just going at it. And I was doing my best. But that's what you know, if you see a boxer, they go around <laughs> and karate, you know, doing karate, they do all these forms and all this technique. But when it actually comes to hand-to-hand -hand combat, it looks it works better if I'm standing up. But you got to use your imagination, okay? <laughs> this is called chair foo. But it's like, um, am I projecting okay, Aaron? Okay, just making sure. But um, but um, they get so used to technique and form that when it actually comes down to doing something, there's no, there's they don't they, they lose. Um, I think it was Muhammad Ali or it might have been Mike Tyson. They said, everybody's got a game plan until they get hit in the mouth. And that's what I'm afraid of happens is that we can shadow box, we can beat the air, but we can't run. And this year, every sermon that we preach needs to be focused. There can't be a wasted sermon. There can't be a wasted Bible study. Amen. There can't be a wasted, well, how did that apply to our Christian life? If it doesn't apply to us, then why are we wasting our time hitting on it? You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what we have to force ourselves and get ourselves ready for. Because when the enemy comes, we don't want to get swallowed up. I'm, by the enemy, I'm not talking about the government getting us COVID vaccines. I'm talking about <laughs> the enemy. When the, when the world comes at us, when the devil is attacking us, let's make sure we're guarded. Let's make sure we're sober, make sure we're vigilant and ready in our minds. All right? Having said that, we'll go to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. We're going to get down to verse number... Verse number 6 through verse number 8. I'm going to try standing for a second here. <clears throat> verse number 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, let us prophecy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministry, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. There's passages in there about the, the gifts that God gives. And there's several gifts listed in there. Prophecy, ministering, teaching, exhortation, giving, ruling, mercy. These are all things that, were, that, that are gifts that God gives to individuals within this body of believers. Right. And it's for the, it's for the perfecting of the saints. But can I explain something to you that each and every one of us has been given the gift of prophecy? Everyone has been given the gift of prophecy. Everybody has been given the responsibility to go soul winning. Well, well, you know, Gabriel and Daniel, they're the soul winners. That's up for the young folk. No, no, no. We're all supposed to be that witness. Amen. That's something for each and every one of us. Mm -hmm. Well, this, well, ministry. Well, you know what? God has given me the gift to minister to people. No, God has given that gift to everybody. 
Everybody here has that within them. We're supposed to be ministers. Teaching. Each of us are supposed to be able to teach the next person, the next generation, the next, the next person. Well, I can't exactly say the best way someone else can. Here, let me give you throw you a commentary. No, 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 no. If you can't teach, it's because you're unskillful in the Word. And if you can't teach, I'm not saying to get up behind the pulpit and teach, but if you can't teach someone at work the gospel, if you can't give someone, if they have a question about right. faith, and you yeah. have to, you, I don't know, I'm going to go to a website, what makes you any better than Jehovah's Witness? And I'm not saying you as far as, I'm not condescending. That means talking down to people. I'm not condescending. <laughs> what I'm actually saying is, what makes us any better than them if we don't know it ourselves? We don't need to go to a website to find out truth. We should be able to go to the Word of God and have it internalized already to, to be ready to give the, every man an answer of the hope that life will us. That's Aaron's, one of Aaron's favorite verses there in First Peter 3.15, I think. So uh, we find that the same thing. So what about exhortation? Well, we all are supposed to exhort one another. Isn't that a command the Bible says, exhorting one another? And so much the more is it see the day approaching? Sure. What about giving? Oh, wait a second. No, no, no. That's not my gift. God hasn't given me the gift of giving. Oh, no. It's something that God has given each and every, every, each and every one of us is to give. Not just of ourselves, but of our finances, of our time, our resources. And giving like Paul did, where Paul said, I gave until it hurt. I gave of my own self. I gave until it cost me everything that I have. And that's what, that's what Paul said I was willing to spend and be spent. That's giving. Right? Ruling. Well, what does ruling mean? It doesn't mean you have to have to be the pastor of a church or heading, you know, being a deacon or a trustee and heading up a it doesn't mean control the church. It means ruling your own your your governing yourselves. Governing yourselves and ruling your own selves well, guarding your heart. But also mercy. Well, God has given you the gift of prophecy, but not of mercy. Really? God has given everyone on mercy. The Bible says, be merciful, even as your Father which is in heaven is merciful. We're supposed to be merciful, even as God is merciful. So these are gifts that God gives to the church. And yes, somebody may have it and may have honed that one particular gift more than, let's say, you have had of soul winning or of preaching. That's great. I'm glad you've mastered one area. Well, let's make sure we master all areas. I've got a really good left hook, or right hook, right hook. So I'm going to wait until that perfect moment, then I'm going to unleash. No, learn to get the, le the left hook and the left jab, and, the, and make sure you can protect, and make sure you've got yourself going, so when you're beating the air, you're not just one-sided. Make sure you're full in every part of your life. That's what Jesus did in Luke chapter 2. He developed himself, he grew in every part, as man and God, you know, in favor of man and in favor of God and knowledge and stature, he developed in all areas. And this is something we have to make sure we prepare ourselves towards. Don't be so much of a grappler that you're not a striker. That's fighting talk, right? And don't be so much of a, of a striker that you're not a grappler. Don't have a, don't have a good, you know, a good, you know, don't learn to have a good a, um, ground game. You know, learn to be able to control and every part of our fight, every part of our life. I've watched an MMM, MMA when I was in the hospital, so it's like I learned everything there is to know. <laughs> For everything we experience, there's life, but if not, there's YouTube, all right? So, now let me get to this message here, because I'm running out of time and out of energy. There are several ways that each of us minister, some through preaching or some in some through teaching, but in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, if we can turn there quickly, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, 
Paul says this, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. So we have been given a ministry. And this ministry is speaking about the liberty of Christ. And, and looking in, in looking in verse number 18, it's talking about our, our transfiguration, as it were, from, our, from a natural man to the spiritual man. But we all, with open face beholding as a glass in the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So when we go to the Word of God, that's a ministry we have in itself. And each and every one of us have been called to the ministry. Abigail, you're called to the ministry. Sarah, you're called to the ministry. And that's what God wants us to do is surrender to full-time ministry. But it's not necessarily be a woman preacher or being a missionary or anything else. It's to be the Christian that God wants you to be. As you are revealed in Scripture, as you find Jesus revealed in Scripture, that's the man we're supposed to be. That's the person we're supposed to be in Christ. And that's a ministry that we have one of another into the world. Some, have, have, some will minister with the ministration and business of the church. By the way... I know there's a battle out there that's stupid and it's over semantics, but I'm going to address it quickly. Obviously, Judas Iscariot can never have saved anybody, can never have led anybody to the Lord, because a lost person can't lead anybody to the Lord. But a lost person can still preach the gospel. So lost people can preach the gospel. But realize it's not what they say that gets them saved. It's the word of God that gets saved. And the person right. that believes on Jesus, that's how right. a person gets saved. Having said that, Peter identifies Judas Iscariot as being part of the ministry. In fact, he was so much better ministry that he was even better than new IFB because he was an actual disciple of Jesus Christ. He was an actual disciple of Jesus Christ, and the Bible says he was part of this ministry. In Acts chapter 1, verse 17 and verse number 25, it uses Judas Iscariot as part of ministry. It says he had part of this ministry. Now, having said that, no, one, no lost person can ever win someone else to Christ. But the preaching of the cross, it's what, it's, it's, if a lost person preaches the gospel, a person who receives it, hearing it before, you know, hearing a verse or whatever before, some seed planted before, fasted in their hearts, and they've gotten saved because of it. And that's the truth of it. That's the, you know, that's the truth. Unsaved, you know, demon-possessed girl in Philippians preached truth. And, and, Paul and Paul and Silas silenced her because she was, because this demon-possessed soul was, was, was preaching truth and she said, stop, stop troubling us. Paul says, some preach Christ even out of contention, supposing to add, a, add, add to my bonds. So, I realize this whole fight back out there towards this thing, I'm like, look, can we stop trying to find things to fight about? Amen. Can we... Please stop fighting over what, how, where to squeeze toothpaste or which way the toilet paper is supposed to roll. I mean, can we get past, can we get past that in our hearts and our minds? There's so much envy and strife. If, if, we have, if you're telling me we have no better fish to fry in our hearts and minds, it's to question whether or not lost people can get someone saved or whether Judas was a superstar Apostle. Some people, some people say stupid things all the time. And things I don't have to agree with. But you know what? Why do we have to address it? Why can't we just let it go? Right. 
I, there's a mantra, I hate it. I don't like the word mantra either. There's a phrase. And I hate saying it, but it's it's so true in some cases. Not my monkey, not my circus. Why? Having said that, Judas was part of the ministry. Whether you like it or not, Judas was part of the ministry. Mm-hmm. Some there's some there's some that are given to the administration of the church. You find in Acts chapter six. Some are more physical. Some have a more physical ministry, like moving curtains and such. You find that in First Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-three. There is there is the Korites. They were keepers of the door. There are others that had had ministry of the pots and the plates and the bowls. There is one particular family of the Levites that their job was simply. The little fixtures, the little knickknacks. Could you imagine having a knickknack ministry? I mean, could you imagine having a knickknack ministry? What if you stole from the knickknack ministry? If you if you stole from the knickknack ministry, would you knickknack paddywhack? I mean, would you really have that? Stop stealing it. But um, some people have it. You see, well, my ministry seems so small. There's no such thing as a small ministry when it benefits the body of Christ. There's a ministry that's been going on that, that's been that's been taking place in the past couple months in bulletins. I haven't seen it yet. I've been gone, but bulletins, little things like that. I personally hate bulletins. I, they serve no purpose at all except for sermons, right? Okay, but bulletins have been out there. People like them and it helps them out with different things. You know what? Bulletins have that's a ministry that some people have. You know, there's a ministry we have. It's called the Office of the, the, the Secretary of the Secretary of the Secretary of the Interior, and there's somebody here, and I won't mention names. But they help take care of the little things in the church, to, you know, decorations, flower arrangements, or pictures yeah. of where they're hung. Little things that that just help. You know, say, well, yeah. it's not a big, big ministry. No, it helps everything we have. Right. Helps everything. There's a ministry going on between the, between the uh, morning and, and after, between the morning, Sunday school and Sunday morning, there's like, the ladies bring like pastries or bring snacks. Today, Daniel joined in that ministry and brought brokies. What are they called? Brown brookies. Brownies. Brownies. Okay, I like brookies better. But um, the brownie cookies that he made. Daniel made these, and I'm like, okay, I don't know if they're safe or not. But but um, but it's like little things like that. Just bring something that's, that's a blessing. Amen. Put a little bit of food in the ministry, right? It's a good thing to have that around us. But some though are given to this idea that each of us need to have a part. That made no sense. Some though are given to this idea that each of us need to have a part in that. Is I have no idea what I was trying to say. We all have to take part in the ministry. I'm trying to read my notes, and I'm like, that must have been when I was like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we have to realize that each of us have a part in in every bit of ministry. But the ministry that I want to talk on today is not so much as as the preaching or teaching. It's not so much as the exhort. You know, as the mercy or ruling or things like that the the ministry that each and every one of us has is being able to communicate love and exhortation to a person when they're down and being that encouragement comforting the feeble-minded strengthening the hands of the weak being that person that can have that word that be spoken this is a ministry that each and every one of us need to have and we need to have that grace we need to have grace flowing from our lips even as god even as christ jesus our example had grace pouring from his lips. I don't name names from the pulpit very much. But I'm going to name names today. Pastor Bruce Mejia preached a sermon not too long ago where he said that 
having a contentious spirit is having the spirit of Christ. Because Christ fought. And Christ would rebuke people. And he was rough when he preached. And that's why having a contentious spirit, having that fight, having that aggression, being willing to fight is being a man. I, I heard this sermon clip, and I was listening to what he was saying. I'm like, yeah, we don't need to be pansies in the pulpit. Yes, we need to go ahead and preach on sin and let it be there. Amen. But my, my, my Bible is chock full of examples where the Bible says, let's turn to one, Philippians chapter 2. And I'm not naming names. I'm not trying to pick a fight, although I'm, I don't really care anymore because what's, really gonna, what's it really going to matter? Those that are spiritual are going to listen. Those that are not are going to find more things to fight about. Let him have it. I'm not attacking Pastor Mejia. But what he said was dead wrong. Mm-hmm. The Bible says, if there, if Philippians 2, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife, or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That's what the Bible says. That's not what Tim Dillow made up. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, be kindly kindly affectioned one to another. Esteeming one another. Esteeming others better than ourselves. How can we esteem someone better than ourselves if we're always trying to find fault to chop them down? Yes, there comes a time to rebuke, to Amen. reprove, but there's also a time to exhort. And let's remember that the YouTube channel that we have is not to the outside world or to anybody outside the walls of our church. The YouTube channel is for us, especially if we missed a service, we can go back to the YouTube channel and listen to the, to listen to the preaching and get that encouragement throughout the week. It's not to the world around us. Church is not for the world. Church is for the saved. You understand what I'm saying? We've got to get past this, this, this contention that everybody's going to be at fault. Everybody's got to, we always got to find the next, the next person to flog. It's not, that's not ministering. Let's go back over here to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 31. Now, Jesus just got done, just, John the Baptist had just died. He had his head chopped off. All right? And uh, the Bible says in verse 29, his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in the tomb, and the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught, talking about the 70, the 12 going out and preaching the gospel, which was also Judas. Verse number 31 and he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Do you find this passage that, there was, that this ministry, it takes selflessness. There were so many people pressing them, that even after ministering, even though John the Baptist had just died, and all this was going on, the burden of the ministries upon them, there are still people all around them wanting to hear from Jesus. Wanting to hear them. And it says in verse 30, verse 32, And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. 
So they got into a ship and went to the desert. They wanted to apply, they went to a desert place by ship. They kind of went where no one could be. They just went out into the deep, went out into the middle of the, of the lake, middle of the ocean, middle of the sea. And this went away in verse, 30, verse uh, 33. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran a foot thither out of all the cities, and, um, and out went and out went them, and they came together unto him. So they, they, they just found where Jesus was at, and they just made every way they could to get there. And they just, came at, they just came to Jesus. They came to find him. And it says in verse 34, And when Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, he was moved with indignation toward them. Leave me alone, people. If you need help, come to church. This is where the counseling is done. If you need help done, get it during normal business hours of the church. That's the, I've heard people preach that. I had a pastor. He would actually say that by counseling. If you want counseling, get it from the pulpit. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school. Mm. And I'm like, what about the one-on-one counseling? Bless God, you don't need one-on-one counseling. You get everything you get from the Word of God by the preaching of the Word of God. Okay. Um, such and such crisis in my life. Well, I preached on this six six months ago, before you remember here. Okay, but I need help now. There's there's a reason why counseling takes place. There's a reason for that. But Christ, he was moved with compassion. But see, you see, Jesus was trying to take time off. He was trying to take time off. (laughs) I'm not going to mention any names, but when I was in ICU, couldn't breathe. I'm on oxygen. I'm on like forced oxygen. Couldn't breathe worth anything. I had some people in the church contact me to help with the situation in their life. And I'm like, I can't help you right now. I'm texting them. Why can't you answer my call? I'm like, because I can't breathe. <laughs> I'm on full oxygen. I can't breathe. Well, I, well, you're, are you mad at me? I'm like, no, I'm not mad at you. I cannot communicate. I've got an oxygen mask on. I can't take it off. My heart rate's going to sky. And I'm sitting there trying to text this person. My, my heart rate's going to 170, 180. And I'm like, <laughs> the nurse comes in and he goes like, the nurse literally came in and said, Enough of the phone, turn it off, or I'm taking it away. <laughs> literally, she literally told me that because I was like getting so stressed out trying to handle the situation. But even with the ministry, it takes selflessness. It, this ministry that we have, it depletes time. There is no checkout time on ministry. Being there for one another, there is no checkout time. When your brother or sister has need, even in an inopportune moment, at midnight, when they got family coming out of town, and they don't have any groceries, and they come knock on your door to wake you out of bed, give it to them. That's what Jesus said. Not so many words, you know, I paraphrased it, but Jesus said that. We were in Florida, I just got out of the hospital, I think it was like Sunday night, and I just got out of the hospital, I was so weak, I was, I was in the living room, and I'm in this recliner, and I just got comfortable, and I just fell asleep. And I kid you not, oh, 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 my heart rate starts. I'm like, what in the world's going on? I like, feel like I'm having a heart attack. I'm like, what in the world? And bang on the door again. 10.30 at night. I'm like, what in the world? I'm coming. <laughs> Power recliner going super slow. And I'm like, I'll get there. You know, it's going super slow. And then my father-in-law came out of the room. It was my sister, my sister-in-law, Charity. And she needed a blanket and a pillow for her son because their, their church had a team camp going on at, at night, and he forgot his stuff at home. Talk about an inopportune moment. <laughs> oh, sure, I can help anything you need. Here's a pillow, here's a blanket. Okay, be warm and filled. Don't do it again. You know, it's like, but it depletes time, it depletes energy, it depletes finances. Sometimes when the, the people that are getting things from you for the ministry, they're not even doing it for the furtherance of the gospel. 
Sometimes it's just to add affliction to your bond. Sometimes you're doing it just to be a pain. Sometimes you're doing it just to press your buttons if you're really a Christian or not. Oh, I thought you were a Christian. What does a Christian have to do with me giving up 30 bucks for you to get gas? Is it my fault you're stranded on I-95 at a gas station and you didn't budget your money well enough that you didn't have... I'm supposed to give you $30 of gas? You know, there's scam artists everywhere, you know? But here you are in South Carolina, this guy comes, you have 30 bucks for gas? I'm like, why are you in the middle of nowhere without $30 to put in gas? And I was like, nah, I'm sorry, man. I didn't have I don't have $30 cash. And I don't, because I don't carry cash. I'm cash in society. And it was like, I, I just didn't have cash. And I didn't lie, I just didn't have it. But sometimes that it's not even beneficial to the furtherance of the gospel. In John chapter 6, you find that, you remember when Jesus fed the multitude? Right? Remember when Jesus fed the multitude? And the next day they came to find him again? And Jesus says, what do you say in John chapter 6? You didn't come to me because of the words I speak. You came for the fish and loaves. Sometimes people want things of the ministry, not because the ministry blessed them, but because it was a free pass. It was a free handout. It was a free meal. It was a free whatever. It was free entertainment. It was something to do when, when, when there's nothing else going on. I mean, the, the same people who will show up to the community theater or the same people who show up during church during COVID, there's nothing else better to do. And I'm saying that we've had people show up to church here who only showed up because there's nothing else better to do. I mean, they would if, if the community theater was open, they would go there first. You know what I mean? It's like they, there's nothing else to do and we're going to go to church. And there's been like that. And sometimes it's not even beneficial to the furtherance of the gospel of why they come and use our ministry, of why they deplete our time. But regardless of that, the ministry takes selflessness. Number two, the ministry takes strategy. Face it, if we help everybody that came to the church... If we helped everybody that came to the church, we would soon deplete everything we have in savings, everything we have in checking, because everybody's always got a need, right? But understand this, the ministry is not just for pastors. Being a minister is not just a pastor's duty. Right. You know Jesus had women that were not named in the 12, the 12 disciples mm -hmm. that went out with them and ministered to the 12 disciples and Jesus everywhere they went? They ministered. Ministry is something more than just what we, than the pastors do. How many times do you ever hear, well, who's your minister? Ever hear that before? Well, who's the minister of the church? It's big with Protestant churches. Well, who's the minister? Who's the minister? Well, I don't have a minister. Who's the reverend? Who's the father? Who's, you know, who's the pastor? And basically what I want to know is who's the person that's doing the ministry? The Amish have, the Amish, I talked to, I talked to this, my, my Amish buddy, and he, um, he's, he's the bishop or the pastor, and then there's an assistant bishop, and then there's a minister. And the minister is a deacon. Take my glasses off and you all look blurry. <laughs> Still blurry. That looks better. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the ministry is not just for pastors. It's, in fact, the pastor's responsibility is to be administrators, to be overseers, to be administrators. That word administ administration, right? So there's two words, or this. Ad is basically the root word. It's a prefix. It means towards, to or towards. And ministration is the duty of fulfilling or doing ministry. So the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 that the pastor is to be the overseer of the flock, 
not by constraint, he sees the example, but that there's people in the church that are supposed to shoulder the load, that are supposed to do this. You know, Moses and Aaron weren't the ones who set up the temple or the tabernacle. Moses and Aaron weren't the ones that did all the sacrifices. Aaron did once a year. He was a high priest. There was people who set up the doors, that set up the fixtures. Like I said, the knick-knack patty wax. I mean, they were they they they, they set all the trinkets, folding up folding of the of the linens. There was a person whose only responsibility was getting the hinges or the brackets. I mean, the, the brackets of the curtains. One family was responsible for getting all the brackets and fixtures, nails, screws, nuts, whatever. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? That's your responsibility. Could you imagine that guy being? Could you imagine that guy in a business meeting? We had to go. We lost fourteen screws this past week, guys. We can't be losing screws. <laughs> we got to tighten it down, okay? Could you imagine that? Could you imagine that? But it's like the ministration takes the, the ministry takes strategy, and we have examples of that. But we have to realize that there's strategy, and it can't be shouldered on one person. Jethro came to Moses and says, Moses, you do not well. You sit up early morning to late at night and you hear all the problems of people around you. You're taking too much upon yourselves. You need to go and get leaders, some chiefs, some 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 judges, and set them up underneath you. And let them hand you the pet the petty stuff. And you just handle the heavy the heavy stuff. And if they have something they can't handle, bring it to you. And Moses took that counsel and did that very thing. By the way, guess who one of the judges that he set up were? One of the people he set up as a leader was Cora. The When you are working with people, there's always going to be someone who turns wrong. It does not negate the purpose of sharing, of dispersing responsibility to the people of the church. You cannot limit and take all authority and hold on to everything and try to micromanage everything in the church. Let people mess up. Let people mess up. There is one mess up that's happened this past week, and I saw it, or this past month, and I looked at it, and I was like, whoo! It wasn't so much as a mess up, but it wasn't very clear what happened. And I looked at it, and I saw what it was, I'm like, uh, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I, I'm like, I started texting this person, and I said, no, I'm gonna let it go. <laughs> because it was a pretty costly mistake. And I'm like, you know what? It was my fault for not being clear. It was something that could have been fixed, and I'm like, all right, no big deal. And it's not a it's not a major deal. It's not. It's like whatever, right? Things happen. But if you're not willing to let people make mistakes, you're not a good leader. You're not a good you're not a good leader if you're not willing to let people make mistakes. You know Jesus looked at the disciples and said, if you know, you're not gonna get it because of your faith. This kind cometh not by prayer and fasting. You're not going to heal the demons? We, Lord, we tried casting out demons. We did it when you sent us out with the 12. And we did it when we kept, when we, when we preached, when we went out with the 70. But here we are. You're on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And, and here we are down here. And this guy's son keeps falling in the, in the fire and burning himself up like a pyromaniac. And he's mad at us. And he's frothing them up. He's mad at us because we can't cast out this demon out of his son. And Jesus looks at him and says, Oh, you faithless generation. How long shall I believe? This kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. And the man says, Your disciples tried, but they couldn't. <clears throat> but these guys also cast out devils during the 12 and 70 when they went out twice. 
to the villages and cities around about. Why couldn't I do it this time? Jesus took time and was like, look, it's because of your faith. It's because this kind comes by, by prayer and fasting. You did it by example. You did it because you believe, but this kind comes by prayer and fasting. This power comes by prayer and fasting. The things that you do normally works, but sometimes this doesn't work. And when mistakes are made, Jesus never abrades. Jesus never condemned in that situation. He chided them. He was like, hey, look, this is the reason why. You're not getting it. Why aren't you getting it? This is the reason why. But he never like yelled at them. He never like he never like belittled them. Christ, our example, used strategy when talking about this ministry. Because there's some things that you and I can't handle. There are times, Miss Deborah, that you want to help somebody, and there's comes times we've done everything we can, and you just gotta say, you know what? Let God handle it for a while. Let God handle it. Lord, I'm turning this over to you. You're the, you're the chief shepherd. I'm just under shepherd. I'm just an Ireland. I'm just the guy. I'm just watching the sheep for a couple hours. Lord, this is your situation. We're turning this over to you. Lord, you fix it. You know, when Jesus, when the good shepherd left the 90 and 9, he went after the 1. Does it mean he didn't care about the 99? He cared about all of the sheep. So there's sometimes, though, that one that's off in the stray, that's, 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 that's straying out there. The under-shepherds, the, under the irelings, they're not going to be, the, the, the farmhands, they're not going to do what that other shepherd would do. But at the end of the day, that's your responsibility, boss. It's above my pay grade. And the, the ministry takes strategy. Number three, this ministry takes spirit-yielded believers. Now, let me say this, and I, and I know we say this a lot of times, even I say it sometimes, and i got to catch myself. But we are filled with the Holy Spirit when we get saved. Amen or amen? Okay? Mm -hmm. We do not get any more of the Spirit. We don't get refillings in our life. When we get saved, we're sealed with the Spirit of God, Ephesians chapter 1. We don't lose the Spirit, and the Spirit never evaporates. It's a self-contained unit. We're preserved, we're sealed. We don't lose the Spirit. But we won't let the Spirit have much of us. There's a difference. Okay, There's some people out there who believe in second, third fillings. Look, we're filled with the Spirit. We're sealed with the Spirit. We don't lose it. What we need to do is yield to the Spirit and stop worrying so much about having the filling of the Spirit. Because the filling of the Spirit comes, the, 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 the feeling of the the feeling of the filling of the Spirit comes when we're yielded to the Spirit. Is that too many words? Was that too many? Was that too weird? Homonyms and stuff. We need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit and not be sensual, fleshly, or devilish. It says it in James chapter three. In fact, let's just go to Rome. Let's go. Let's turn there real quickly. James chapter three. And I'm gonna read this passage in full, and then we're just gonna make one application or two, and then I'm done. James chapter three and verse number one. James chapter 3 and verse number 1. When you dare, say amen. amen. All right. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Have you ever said something that was just taken all wrong? Mm -hmm. 
happens a lot. Try being married, right? Verse number three. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. My daughter Abigail, she, when Florida, she rode a horse, and she guided the horse all by herself. She took the horse by the reins, and she got on it, and she, she rode it on the yard, and the horse did exactly what she did when she wanted to do it, except getting it to go and, you know, getting it to go. She had to kind of kick, kind of kick the spurs a little bit, kind of kick the heels to get it going. And the horse was kind of stubborn. It was kicked a little harder, kicked a little harder, kicked a little harder. Being persistent, the horse finally went up and gone. But the Bible says that we put bits in the horse's mouth so that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which though they be, they, they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on, on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. We can train mice but we can't tame our tongue. I mean, some people even have flea circuses and flea markets. Anyways, verse number, verse number seven. Sorry, verse number nine. There, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. What? Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. How can you curse a brother out? How can you curse a man out? And then turn around and bless God with it. Ever hear, ever hear somebody, you know, some guy gets up there and starts cursing, and you hear this phrase before, do you ever kiss your mom with that mouth? How many of you ever heard that said before? How many of you ever had to borrow soap or dish, dish, or dish soap put down your mouth of cussing? All right. How many of you just kind of people laughed at you and said, that's pretty cool, be like George, George, you know, George Carlin and have a video? Some people do that too. They think it's funny. This kid literally this cussed out like a... 30-second rampage of just cuss words. And the parent just sat there laughing. <laughs> it's my kid! I just looked at him and I'm like, wow. Just complete wow. wow. Missed it totally, man. Used to be, if kid cussed, it was a shame to the parents. Now it's a trophy? Mm -mm. It says in verse number 11, Doth a fountain send forth to the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear all of the berries? Either a vine figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and a dude with, with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have but if but if ye have better envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion. And every evil work. It's not good works. It's not pure works. It's evil works. It's not the first works that we find in Ephesians or in Revelation. Verse number 17. But the wisdom that comes that the wisdom that is from above is first pure and then then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of what? Mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in what? Peace. peace of them that make war. 
No. Look at verse number four of chapter four. From whence comes wars and fightings among you? But if this fighting and if this fighting and war is not from above, then where is it coming from? Where is it coming from? Where is this division among believers coming from? If it's not coming from this from the wisdom that comes from above, then where is it coming from? Well, it's coming from the devil. No. No, you should have been here for Sunday school, not from the devil. Look what it says in verse number one. It says, Come they not hence, even of your of your lusts that war in your members? It comes from within. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Wait, wait, fighting and warring is in a negative context. This negative context of fighting and war, it's not of God. God says it's of your members. Look what it says in verse 3. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy, is enemy, is enemy, enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So make yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will cleanse, and he will, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. And then in verse number 10, he says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another. Brethren, he that speaketh evil of his brother and judges the brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if, the, but if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a, but a judge. That's ministry. When you're able to take what someone says about us, what you're able to take and... When you're able to live that out and not render evil for evil, and like it just says in Romans chapter 12, the same thing it says in Romans chapter 12. When you're looking at that and it says in the last part of the last part of the chapter, it says, Be calm the affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. It says, Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cling to that which is good, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing constant in prayer, distributing the necessity of the saints, giving the hospitality. That whole passage, even when someone comes at you and they're your enemy and they're saying all kinds of smack against you, that smack is slang for garbage, right? And he comes all that kind of stuff against you. The Bible says, do good to them and 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 don't give yourself to, to don't don't recompense you know, God will God will get the vengeance, right? Give your give place unto wrath. Let give that to God for his wrath, not for your wrath. But he says, if you do that and you help them out, you're good to them, you'll heap coals of fire upon their head. That's what the passage says. Ministry is not just the things that we do for the body of Christ, but we do for the world around us. And this ministry that we've been called into is something that each and every one of us have to do in our lives. So we have to perfect. We've been called to ministry, we have to do it. The person who cusses us out, bless him. We were at Wendy's the other day, and um, we were, I don't know where we were. I think we were in West Virginia. And the guy behind us, I was trying to figure out what was on the menu. 
And I was like trying to, you know, I'm trying really hard to stay off anything with like high fat because of the gall, you know, gallbladder and everything. And uh, I was looking at the menu and I didn't want anything fatty or fast food or whatever. I said, I said, do you know how much fat is in your chili? Because fat will mess me up. You know, like it'll make me sicker than a dog. I'm like, I don't want to have. I said, how much fat is in your chili? And he goes, I don't know. And the guy behind me is like, come on. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to be kind here. I'm going to be good. I've driven for eight hours. I'm like tired. I'm tired of driving. I'm like, my patience is going, going dim. And I got to the drive through window and I paid for our food. And the girls will tell you this. I asked how much the food was for the person behind me. And I paid for his food. And Sydney goes, well, why did you, why did you pay for his food? Well, why did you know how much his food was? I said, like, you know, don't worry about it. But I paid for his food. I'm not saying to pat myself on the back, but I did it. Because I was trying to keep coals of fire on his head. <laughs> the guy who just told me off because he was mad because I'm trying to figure out what's best for me to eat at the drive-thru. Pardon me. You know, it's like this guy's like laying me out and all getting all mad about it. And I was like, I'm going to pay for his food. And I just told the kid, she goes, I was very thoughtful. So just tell the guy he was like 100 customers or something. I don't know. But I was like, just, I was like, just whatever. And I just, and I just paid for his food and I went and pulled over or whatever. And um, I did that not because I was trying to be, but because he wrong, he did something wrong to me. He despitefully used me. He was doing me wrong. But instead of turning and taking more time at the drive-thru and asking for a menu when I get to the window and being, being an arrogant person about it, I just chose, you know what, I'm going to do the thing what's best, and I'm going to do something kind for the person that treated me wrong. That was ministry. So we got an assignment, okay? Go to Chipotle, Chipotle, that place up there is go there and spend 20 minutes in line tick the guy off behind you and pay for his meal see what happens not really but i mean seriously do things like this watch and see the person who gets mad at you bless them do good to them jesus said it paul said it i mean that's fulfilled that's ministry and it's not doing it just to make ourselves feel warm and fuzzy but if you can do that in turn give the gospel to that person their guard is down. They're going to be able to hear the gospel. They're going to hear something. It's, it's beyond that. It's, it's something way beyond. My wife's going to kill me for this. Twice, when I was in the hospital in Ponte Gorda, I got pizza for the shifts, for the nursing, nurses' shifts. I paid for I paid in two different days. I paid, like, I got, like, six, six, eight pizzas, and I bought pizza for the entire nursing staff on the floor. And one nurse came in that was this mean, nasty, spiteful, rude, bought her pizza. You would have thought I dropped a million dollars in her, in her stocking. I mean, she thought I was, wow, this is so nice of you. I said, hey, when you get a free moment, you got about five minutes, can you come in? I want to ask you something. Sure, absolutely, hon, yeah. One o'clock in the morning, she comes in. I was awake. I was awake. I only get like three hours of sleep a day. I'm like, I was awake. That's how, I'm still in hospital time. So if you want to... You need to text me between one and four. Okay, so, but um, in the morning. So, so, she texted me and she was like, I mean, she came in and she goes, "What's up?" I said, "I said, Linda, I said, do you know for sure that if you were to die today, you know for sure you won't have him?" She just looked at me like I was strange. I said, "Look, I said, I'm just asking. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die?" She says, "I'm good. I'm good. I go to church." I said, "No, you're not." Then I said, "Look, the I said." The gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift, not of works. And I gave her a quick three-minute salvation plan. And she just like, oh, I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. She never darkened the door to my room again. 
Never again. The other nurse came in, was super nice to me. I tried giving the gospel to her, super, super rude. I mean, like, I'm fine. I don't, I don't talk religion. That's, that's an appropriate question to ask at the hospital. I'm like, lady, you help me out enough a bedpan. There's no such thing as inappropriate questions when it comes to this relationship we got, you know? But it's like, but, um, you know, doing something like that and getting the gospel towards it, you never know where that foothold gets into. You never know. Sewing is not something we do. Sewing is something, it's not what we do in a scheduled time. It's something we do all the time. And being that witness. But we've been called to this ministry. Let's live in that ministry. I can't see the clock. I'm pretty sure I'm past my time. Let's pray and ask God's blessing and as we dismiss. Um, Mateo, it's good to see you. I'm glad you're feeling better. Could you please uh, dismiss us in prayer?